And we are live with another edition of the All Gas Snow Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, oh boy, did we have an interesting week number eight in the National Football League. A lot of injuries took place. So we saw an NFL debut for one of the top quarterback prospects as well. Um, some key injuries as well happened. And as of last night, there was a major firing as well. And the NFL has, has to go along with the NFL trade deadline. So a lot is happening right now in the in the world of professional football. And <laughs> I don't even know where to start from this entire, uh, these last couple of days. Because it sure as hell has been one wild ride. Well, I think we can start by recapping the week. Starting with that slugfest that happened on Thursday night between the Bills and Buccaneers. Um, not as close as the game indicated, as the score indicated, because I think Buffalo kind of had this game won from the very beginning, but the score did not indicate that. Well, if you think about it, Tampa Bay made a little bit of a good comeback towards the end of the game, and honestly, you could make the case they could have won the game at the end of it, as they had a chance at a Hail Mary at the end, and Chris Godwin, had he turned around a second or two earlier to look at look for the ball, he might have been able to catch the ball and get Tampa Bay the win in that game, but... Being that as is May, the Bills did hang on to win this game by a final of 24-18. Buffalo looked a little bit good in the first half. I mean, they kind of saw what's been working for them in previous years. I mean, Josh Allen looked good both running and throwing the football, had two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. We saw a big game out of Khalil Shakir, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs. Dalton Kincaid in his first start at tight end got a touchdown. And... The Bills' defense of the first half did a pretty good job of you know holding that Tampa Bay offense from doing anything. It was really the second half in which Tampa Bay started to make a little bit of a push. And as I mentioned, if not for Chris Godwin looking for the ball maybe a second or two late, Tampa Bay might have won this game in the very final play of the game. But Buffalo does get a much-needed win after some struggles the last couple weeks. They lost to the Patriots last week, almost lost to the Giants the week before. Now they go to 5-3 and three in the season. But... They do have a tough road test upcoming on Sunday Night Football this week with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I guess I can't classify that final touchdown by Mike Evans as a garbage time touchdown because they were technically still playing. They had all of their timeouts. It was above the two-minute warning. And that was a weird touchdown, too. Yeah, yeah. So it was definitely uh, possible for Buffalo to come on and even win this game on a regular on a regular touchdown plus field goal. But uh, like I said, I think it was a, Buffalo kind of like had this game in the bag for the first 50 minutes of the game and then kind of almost got out of their hands. And here we are for the uh, the next week. Now Buffalo will be uh, going on. They improved to five and three, and uh, Buccaneers f- fall to three and four. But they're still in the race with the NFC South. Buffalo still, I think, still is a favorite to win the AFC East, even though Miami is still there. But let's go into our next game now, and we could talk about the ugliest game of all time. I know you don't really want to talk about this, but I won't talk too much about this game because they're really they, these two teams really didn't don't deserve much uh, conversation about how this game went. Yeah, I'll kind of try to recap this one for you because I know it's a very painful game for you. You can do the same thing with the Patriots in a little bit. Uh, but a long story short was Giants without their main man, Daniel Jones, the signal caller. They have to go to Tyrod Taylor. He gets injured early on in the game, and then they have to bring in Tommy DeVito. Uh, in, a game of, in a game of professional football, how many passing yards you would assume even a third-string quarterback to get? Maybe 100? Right, maybe a hundred coming in mid- midway, really relying on the rushing game. Uh, try a combined neg seven yards between Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor, and he Tommy DeVito had negative one passing yards on the game, had a QB rating of thirty nine point six, but that was still higher than Dak's uh, QBR a couple of years ago when he threw all those picks, and it would have been better if he just uh, spiked it every single game. So I guess he has that going for him. But this was a very ugly game. Uh, Graham Gano should have he missed the chip shot, which should have put the game out of reach for the uh, for the Jets. I, I'm not going to blame this on him because he's been absolutely fantastic for the regular season, and the Jets find keep on finding ways to win. They improved the four and three on the season uh, in an overtime win where neither of these teams wanted to win. And now the question is going to remain: Is Aaron Rodgers going to be able to come back? Because if they keep on this squeaking out wins like this, and they're like 500 or around 500 in a couple more weeks. They're saying he's already throwing passes. He's on the field working out. Can Aaron Rodgers really come come back and lead this Jets team to maybe a wild card berth? That's the storyline I have going coming out of this game. 
Well, to build off of that, I think the the hopeful thing for the Jets is to have him back. I think the the deadline they want to have him back is for Christmas Eve, which I believe they're playing the Commanders on Christmas Eve. So I think that's the game that they're looking forward to, to having him back. And you're right. If they could keep, continue to win games, maybe not in this fashion, but just to win in general, then it absolutely gives you an opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers back and give you an opportunity to win a wild card. I think the division's still kind of out of play for them. I know they're only, you know, Two games maybe back. A game, they're a game and a half back of Miami right now in the division. I still don't think it's enough because Miami's been playing really good football. Buffalo, you would think maybe after that win against Tampa Bay, starts to maybe pick things up. But I don't know if it's going to happen because the Jets didn't really have good quarterback play in this game. This game really came down to which team wanted to lose even further than the other team because you had the Jets winning 7-3 at the at the, you know going into halftime over Brees Hall 50-yard receiving touchdown. Then the obvious injury to Tyrod Taylor happened, so Tommy DeVito starting the rest of the game for the Giants who was on the practice squad going into the week but had to be signed because of the Daniel Jones injury and DeVito gets a rushing touchdown to get the Giants a lead in a game in which the Giants had to run the ball most of the entire second half. I mean, couldn't really trust DeVito. His first four passes went incomplete. A couple of them were drops in all fairness to him as well. But at the same time, you can't really trust a practice squad quarterback at this rate to get you down the field. So they kept running the ball. And to the Giants' credit, they were doing it pretty efficiently. Saquon Barkley had a nice pickup game after the last couple of weeks, you know, trying to bounce back from that injury. And believe it or not, the Giants were winning this game late in the fourth quarter. They actually had a chance to ice it. They had a fourth and one scenario in Jets territory with about 28 seconds left in this. And the big you know, question going into that play was, do you go for it on fourth down with Saquon Barkley, try to get the first down? If you don't get it, then you have to stop them on defense. Or do you kick the field goal, put, the, put you up six, and make it even harder for the Jets to go down the field to try to win the game. And unfortunately for the Giants, Graham Gano, who's been dealing with an injury the last couple of weeks, misses his second field goal of the game, gave the Jets 24 seconds to go down the field. They drive down the field in just two plays and are able to get the game tying field goal. And then they win the game in overtime by a final of 13 to 10. So it's a battle. It's a mixture of two things for this game. The Jets, they saved their season, essentially, because a loss in this game would have been really catastrophic. A game in which there was 24 punts, the most in a game since 2003. And like I said, both teams did not deserve to win this game. It would have been the most epic tie because both these teams didn't deserve to win the game at the end of the day. And unfortunately, as a Giants fan, it's just a painful loss because in a game that you shouldn't have won, you could have won because of just one mistake. And that one mistake proves large in this game, not going for the fourth down conversion instead of kicking the, the field goal. And now they go to two and six on the season. We'll talk about them in a little bit because they were also making some news at the trade deadline as well. And for the Jets, it essentially saves their season in my view because now they go to four and three, a big Monday night football game upcoming this week against the Chargers. And like you said, if they keep winning, and give themselves an opportunity to stay in the wild card race, then you could potentially get Aaron Rodgers back and could potentially get into the postseason this year. All right, let's talk about the next game. Talk about Jacksonville beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, losing Kenny Pickett in this game. Uh, he should be back for the next game. He's currently questionable, but they lose him uh, pretty early on the game, only with only about halfway through it. Mitch Trubisky had to come out, and that just wasn't it. He throws two interceptions at a loss to the Jaguars, gets one passing touchdown. And the Jags improved to six and two in the season, and now the Jags starting to emerge as one of the favorites to maybe win it all. Right, and you look at the month of uh, the month they had in October. As we record, this is obviously November first now. But in the month of October, they played really good football. I think they went five and zero, or maybe four and zero. I'm not. Uh, I'm four and zero. They played two games in London. They won both of those games. They played a, a road game as well and gets Pittsburgh, obviously, and then they also won at home. So, they had to do all of this uh, traveling and they were able to win these games. They did go 5-0, and and by the way, I'll give you a oh, so 5-0, because on the 1st they beat the Falcons, and on the 29th they beat the Steelers, and they beat the Bills, Colts, and Saints in between that. Right, they had the Thursday night game. I forgot about that. So, that, so they played 
multiple road games, essentially, even those London games are road games, even even if they were home for one of them. So to do all that traveling and still win these games is very impressive for this team. They go to 6-2. and two. Defense looked really good in this one. You mentioned the two interceptions thrown by Trubisky. But even with the Kenny Pickett injury, the Steelers will, looks to have him back for this upcoming Thursday night against the Titans. So that is a good sign for Pittsburgh. But for them, it's just a consistent issue of their offense has been really poor this season. They continue to have offensive struggles, and they really need to touch on that, actually. Trevor Lawrence on the season, uh, 1,900 yards, nine touchdowns, four interceptions. He has a fumble problem as well, so he has more turnovers uh, than touchdowns scored right now. On paper, these stats aren't really that exciting, but he's he's been getting better as the season goes on. he had a couple of follies midway through when he played Atlanta. He had obviously the Indianapolis game, where which he wasn't too strong. But he looked pretty strong this game outside of the one interception. I know he didn't throw for a lot, but this is a very good Pittsburgh defense. Almost get 300 yards on an excellent defense is a feat on its own. And right. his, the, Jack, the Jack schedule is going to be a little bit more favorable defensive-wise. It will be playing the, the Titans. But, I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, the Jags are going to get a little bit more of a, a break later on. I know they're going to be playing the Titans. I know they're going to be playing the 49ers, which, again, that's going to be interesting with one of the trades that we're going to discuss later on. Uh, the yep. Texans which should be a little bit easier defensively. The Bengals, the Browns, and Ravens well, are going to be eh. And then they're going to finish the year with Bucks, Panthers, Titans. So there's a lot of opportunity for him to uh, kind of, I don't want to say stat pad here, but maybe try some things different out on the offense that uh, a lot of these other defenses haven't let him, let him do so far. I will say this about some of those opponents. The Niners are a tough defense. Um the Titans, are, I still think, are one of the more underrated defenses in all of football, even after trading Kevin Byard. And the Texans, they gave the Jaguars a lot of problems. Remember, they handed the Jaguars one of their lone two defeats so far. Yeah, that's early, in the, that's early in the season, though. I'm not going to read much right. into it. Yeah, so I think there's a great opportunity for Jacksonville to start, you know, getting picking up those receipts and getting some revenge in the season. Because if they want to prove that they're a real, real contender in all of football, they got to win these tough games, and I think the Niners game in a couple weeks will prove to be the test for this team because going to play a team like that, especially after the trade that they made, that will be tough to tell for this offense. So I'm curious to see what they do going into that, but they have a bye week this week, so they're able to rest a little bit before that game. And let's talk about teams that definitely need rest of the Eagles hanging on to defeat the Commanders. The Commanders almost on upset alert. Sam Howell had an absolute field day. He carved that defense up like it was Swiss cheese, and uh, but despite that happening, the Eagles had a uh, add another win to their total column for the year, and yep. even we saw some variations too. The tush push was used as a fake this week, which I haven't seen so far. Well, remember they also fumbled the tush push as well in the goal line, so they had to get a little bit creative doing that, and it worked to perfection. I think that's what um, a lot of people were expecting the Eagles to do at some point this season, and it got DeAndre Swift the go the uh, game winning touchdown at the end. But yeah, you got to get the commanders some credit in this one. They played a good fight. I mean, they always seem to play the Eagles really tough and they proved it again. This one, you mentioned Sam Howell had a really monster game four passing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts had to do the exact same thing just to hold on to win the game. But as you said, the Eagles now move up to seven and one now on the season with the win. The commanders made a lot of big moves at the trade deadline, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So we kind of know what their stance is now as the rest of the season goes on. But the Eagles now, they have the best record in all of football with the 7-1 mark. And right now they look like the team to beat in the NFC. They might not be playing, you know, convincing football to make you believe that they're the team to beat in the NFC. But they have the best record. So I think you right now have to consider them to be that best team to beat in the NFC as a, as a whole. And... That's why some of these other teams at the trade deadline had to make moves just to try to beat this Eagles team. So I'm curious if those moves will help those teams try to beat the Eagles. But as of right now, no one's really been able to stop this offense from scoring a lot of points. And you saw it this past Sunday. Yeah, I would give that name. If the Niners didn't uh, blow it this past weekend, which we'll go into, I would give that name the Niners only because they lost on a chip shot field goal to the Browns. And I would assume I, I would consider them to be a true one loss team. Because that's a loss like that isn't going to really happen again. Uh, a chip shot field goal uh, where you should have had the victory. I don't think that'll happen twice in one season. So, uh, but right now it is the Eagles by default. And let's talk about more quarterback changes. Let's talk about Will Levis coming in and decimating the Falcons. 
Desmond Ritter, this may be his last uh, start in Atlanta, at least at, at least not because of injury. And Taylor Heineke is going to be the new starter going forward. But let's talk about Will Levis. We had said, or a couple of us had said on this podcast, that Will Levis was going to be the number one quarterback in this draft class. That we didn't care about C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. We didn't care about Bryce Young. We felt that Will Levis had the most pro-ready game. And boy, did he show that. Will Levis coming in off the bench midway through the game throws for four touchdowns and 240 yards. You can't write well, keep, a better story than that. And he leads him to a win as well. Well, keep in mind, Johnson, he got a, he actually got the start in this game because Ryan Tannehill's injury. That's so. right, my bad. He I was, was going to say coming mid, the, midway, but Ryan Tannehill was injured from the... Uh, in yes. your defense, they did say going into the game that they were going to potentially play both Levis and Malik Willis. So there was a potential for Levis to come off the bench to play in this game. But he got the full-fledged start, and they really didn't have to think about bringing in Will Levis, or I'm sorry, uh, Malik Willis, because Levis, as you mentioned, played a great game. He threw for four touchdowns, most of them coming to DeAndre Hopkins. And I think if you're a Titans fan, that's really good to see that you know, you know your new number one wide receiver has a connection with your young rookie quarterback and Will Levis. So if you're a Titans fan, that's got to be fun to see. Derrick Henry added another 100 rushing yards as well. But as you also mentioned, a big story coming out of the game now is the Atlanta Falcons. They dropped the 4-4. Four and four. They're still on top of the NFC South as it is right now, but they make a quarterback change to Taylor Heineke. Desmond Ritter's had some big-time struggles this entire season, has a lot of turnover issues, and they go with Heineke, who has proven his worth with the Washington Commanders. Remember, got them to a division title not too long ago. So Heineken gets the gets the uh, second-half start, got this team in a touchdown. It was just a little bit too late for them to win the game. But he is now named the new starter for this team. He's going to be starting this upcoming weekend against the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm, we'll have to see if that helps the Fal- Falcons you know, hold on to that division lead as of now. But for Desmond Ritter, who knows what his future now is in the NFL after this. I mean, I don't know if where he goes from here, maybe this will maybe motivate him to try to get the starting role back. But as of right now, it's up to Heineke to try to get this Falcons team a division title. I do feel a little bad for him. He only he didn't even get a full season between both this year and last year to really uh, get a chance. But I also have to realize this is his second year in this offense with this team. He has weapons. He's got Drake London. He's got Kyle Pitts. He's got B. John Robinson. Uh, for him to only have six touchdowns through eight games when he has a fantastic offense like that is a little bit questionable. I do feel bad for him, but maybe he'll just, he just needs a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, that might be the case because remember we all we always um, talk about Arthur Smith and uh, how his handling of some of his better offensive players are. And if you're a fan of Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson, you're not really liking how they've been used in this Falcon system, but. That's definitely could be a case if the, if maybe Ritter needs a fresh change. I mean, we saw what happened with Trey Lance. He need, he got traded because he needed a new change of scenery. Um, so maybe that is the same case for Ritter. Who knows? But I think that's still a lot of time to go on. I think this benching maybe is just a test of, listen, we need to go with a new face. We, we're trying to win a division title. We still want you to be our quarterback. So try to fight for it back, I guess. that that, that Maybe that's the mentality of Arthur Smith right now. And talk about more quarterback injuries. The Vikings hang on for a win against the Packers, but at one at what cost? They lose Kirk Cousins, Cousins for the seasons due to Achilles injury. I, I feel really bad for Kirk. Um, his so. team finally starts to be turning the corner, even without Justin Jefferson. When he's coming off, they're looking like maybe they're going to have eight wins by the time he gets back. Again, back for that playoff push, maybe even win a playoff game. And he tears his Achilles. And he, you know, when he went down to... He's being carted off the field. He's still clapping for his team. He's encouraging. He wants right. them to get the win without him. It's hard to root against this guy. And yeah, this may be yeah. one of his. He's he's definitely not getting a large contract this offseason. Now he's thirty five. He's coming. He's going to be uh, thirty six, I believe, at by the end of the year. And he's going to be coming off an Achilles injury. So I'm glad he got paid. I'm glad he had a couple Pro Bowls. And if this is the last time we ever see him as a starter in this league, he's. I think he's had a hell of a career for someone. Uh, who was expected to really just be a backup quarterback the entire time. Well, yeah, I remember when he got drafted, he was drafted as the backup to RG3 in Washington and didn't start for them until RG3 got hurt. So his career has certainly taken some, some you know, taken a road path. And you're absolutely right. It's really tough for a guy like this to get injured in a game. I've certainly given Kirk Cousins my criticism in years past, but 
I feel for the guy because you you said it best. I mean, they're starting. They were starting to play some good football. They with the win, they go to four and four. You saw some good things out of this game as well. Jordan Addison, we mentioned in the 49ers game, had his breakout game in that one. Had another good game in this one as well. They also have Hawkinson and Osborne now starting to come alive the last couple of weeks. But now to lose Cousins is really big for this team because now you're four and four. And if you wanted to get a star, a star quarterback in this upcoming NFL draft, you might have potentially already played yourself out of that now. And obviously you weren't thinking about that before the game because you're trying to get into the playoff race after making the playoffs last year as division winner. But now with an injury like this to your star quarterback, what do you do at this rate? You're really caught in a pickle because you're in the you're in the tweener of being a playoff team or being in the top ten of the NFL draft. And the Vikings did make a you know did make a move at the deadline for a quarterback. We'll talk about that. And right now it's Jaron Hall, the rookie out of BYU, that's going to be starting for them at quarterback. He only threw four passes at the end of this game for them, so we'll have to see how he does in his first NFL start. That's going to be kind of interesting, Johnson. I think it Him might be against- Josh Dobbs. It could be. I think for now it'll be Hall until they get Josh Dobbs, you know, accustomed into their playbook. But think about the matchup they have though coming this weekend. It's going to be Jaron Hall versus Taylor Heineke in a matchup of backup quarterbacks this upcoming Sunday in the Vikings and Falcons game. But Both the Washington Commanders Bowl too. Yeah, I think another thing we have to talk about is is the uh, Green Bay Packers and how badly they have been these last couple of weeks, and they have had. Some unworldly things happening. I mean, they look like one of the worst offenses of a football. Maybe the one of the worst teams in all of football. They scored three points in the first half. I think since their Saints game, Johnson, they've scored nine points in the first half. That is putrid football. I think the Saints game was at the beginning of October, if I'm not mistaken. So they certainly had their offensive struggles, and we saw what they did at the trade deadline. They made they did make a trade, but. They have a lot more questions than answers right now. Do they believe in Jordan Love? Do they believe in this entire team? Do they believe in Matt LaFleur? I think they're going to be in for a rough couple of weeks because there could be a lot of changes upcoming for them in the offseason. Yeah, I guess it would be good. I think the first thing to go would be Matt LaFleur and maybe give Jordan Love another shot, but that's neither here nor there. Who knows? Um, He's on that fifth-year option. This is his last year. So remember, the Packers, if they continue to suck, they might be in that, you know, that top five of the NFL draft, and they might have an opportunity to draft a new quarterback. Yeah, I guess we will wait and see. But let's go into the next game now, and let's talk about the team that did not get hurt, and they had a really good and it continues on their great season. The Seattle Seahawks scoring late in the fourth quarter for a big win over the Cleveland Browns. Can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, I mean, this was a game in which Seattle barely hanged on because remember they had a. They had the lead going into halftime. The Browns did make it a little bit interesting. Remember, it was 17 to 7 Seattle going into the second quarter. The Browns would take the lead going into the fourth, but it Jackson was all Smith Cleveland that second. It was actually all Cleveland from the second quarter on. Right. And if not for a late touchdown from Jackson Smith and Jigba, the Seahawks would have lost this game. And to their credit, they got the win. It wasn't a pretty game from Geno Smith, but he was able to get the job done and just barely outdueled PJ Walker. But Seattle with the win and accompanied on to the team that we'll talk about in just a second, the San Francisco 49ers. The Seahawks are now in first place in the NFC West right now, so they have a lot to look forward to. They made a big trade at this, this past trade deadline as well to bolster up their defense, and now we'll have to see where they go from here. But I think if you're Seattle, you're pushing all your chips to the table right now because you have a you know a quarterback that's in his, his mid-30s, you're trying to see if maybe you can win a championship, especially with a head coach like Pete Carroll, because God knows how many years he has left in the NFL as well. So you're trying to get this done sooner rather than later because who knows what the identity identity of your team's going to be soon. But they got a good win this week over a Browns team that had started to pick up some momentum the last couple of weeks, especially on the defensive side. Yeah, I know Cleveland's had a couple of heartbreaking losses. This still doesn't put them out of the race for division. Um even the wild card too, they're still alive. Yeah, I mean the division and wild card, which is really good for them. Four and three in the season, they're going to match their other two guys in that division. Uh, that being the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals, with Baltimore still as the lead at six two. And this is shipping. Uh, this is shaping up to be another AFC West. Uh, I'm sorry, NFC North. I don't know what's AFC West. NFC North dogfight. Uh, well, as AFC it always North, is. But I know what you're. Getting. I know what yeah, you're. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I was going to say. I was going to say AFC North, NFC West. 
all these divisions, Seattle, Cleveland. Let's uh, let's go on to the next game, though. There's two. There's too many divisions. I it's completely. Let's stay in the North Division now, and I we guess will. we're staying. In, I guess we're staying in both. Not divisions. Staying in both divisions. Yeah. We're gonna stay both divisions. So who cares at this point? Uh, Cincinnati getting a huge road win over the 49ers. 49ers dropped to five and three, losing three straight. And now questions about how good Proc Purdy actually is. Um, do you break yeah. the glass and give it to Sam Donald for a week? Uh, I think you're going into a bye week now for San Francisco. So I think you stay with Purdy. I think the biggest thing right now is you're starting to see how, how this offense struggles without Debo Samuel because they really could use Debo Samuel. I know Kittle had a monster game and so did Ayuk. CMC added to his touchdown streak as well. But I think you're really starting to see what this team identity is without Debo Samuel. I think you need him back as well. But we all remember what Brock Purdy is. I mean, he's not really – not a lot of people thought he was going to be a monster quarterback. No, in the NFL. nobody he was Mr. thought he was. He was Mr. Irrelevant. He caught, you know, a big stretch at the end of the last season. And obviously the, start, the cracks are starting to show in this year. Yeah. I think the biggest concern for San Francisco has been a defense that once has been really good for them is starting to struggle a little bit these last couple of weeks. That's why you saw them make a trade at the trade deadline as well to bolster up that defense because they're struggling. Joe Burrow really had a bit, pretty much of a field day. He only had four incompletions, threw for three touchdowns. We saw Joe Mixon even have a good game as well. And the Bengals, for them, they get a big win. They go to four and three. They're still in the in the race for the wild card, still in the race for the division. And for San Francisco, I think you're at the point where you're only a half game back of Seattle for the division. And you're still considered to be one of the best teams in the NFC. It's still considered to be a Super Bowl contender. I think if Purdy struggles again, then you start to have your concerns. Then you maybe have to say, maybe we just go with Sam Darnold. They Sam didn't Darnold make a trade. Has a, Sam Darnold has a lot it. of natural talent. So I want to give him the benefit yeah, that when he does get a chance sure. to uh, start. I, I've never been the biggest Darnold fan myself. So I, I, I don't know how, how it will work. Maybe it will help the Niners because they could use something. Because the last couple of weeks, you've seen the offense, has really, the offense really has struggled. So maybe a quarterback change could be necessary. But I think go under your bye week, fix all the issues during that bye week with Purdy and stuff like that. And then your next game is against Jacksonville. And that won't be an easy game. But I think if Purdy starts to show signs of getting better, then you're fine. But if you start to struggle again, then you might have to start making that conversation about Sam Darnold. I completely agree. And let's go into the next game now. Let's talk about the – this is the AFC West now. Excuse me. Uh, the Broncos finally ending their losing streak over the Chiefs thanks to a strong defense. Do yeah. I want to call it a strong defense? Or do I want to call that Patrick Mahomes and maybe maybe they got exposed to the Chiefs? Because uh, this is going to be my little rant here. The Chiefs have been gifted two games, in my opinion, against the Jets, and everyone knows they don't like the Jets and the Vikings. They have barely skated by against this mediocre Chiefs team, uh, Broncos team, last time. There are major red flags with with, with the Kansas City Chiefs that people don't want to actually address. This is a team that is a couple scores away from being below 500. That's the reality of this team. They are a couple scores away from being below 500. Yeah, they, they, I will say, have had some really big concerning offensive games the last couple weeks, other than that Chargers game. Um, this game was weird because there was the stuff about Patrick Mahomes having the flu. I'm not sure if that impacted this game or not, but this game has to be accredited to what the San Francisco, yeah, this almost said San Francisco, but I know we're still caught up on that game from previous, but what the Denver Broncos defense did in this one. I mean, they sacked Mahomes three times. They really gave them a lot of problems. They couldn't run the ball as they usually can't do. It's Kansas City. And De- this is weird because Denver is in a weird spot right now where a couple weeks ago, they, maybe a month ago, they gave up 70 points to the Dolphins. And now here they are a month later, they're giving up nine points to the Chiefs and holding down Patrick Mahomes and company. I mean, Travis Kelsey really wasn't a factor as well in this game. And despite Denver's offense playing poorly, because let's face facts, Russell Wilson did throw for three touchdowns, but... He didn't really light up the stat sheet other than that. He, he had six sacks. He had a crucial fumble as well in this game. Only threw for 114 yards, but 
he got most of those touchdowns due to short field because of the Denver Broncos defense. Uh, I am so happy turnovers. you mentioned this. If you told a team, if you told anyone that a told a team that got 240 total yards on offense, most quarterbacks can get 240 yards by themselves. Beat a team 24 to nine, you wouldn't believe it. Right. No one, no one would believe it. So that's a this is a huge red flag if you're a Chiefs fan. And think about this. The it was a 16 game losing streak for the Broncos going into this game. Remember they lost this, the game earlier in the season to the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football. They finally ended this streak. The last time they beat the Chiefs was when Peyton Manning, I believe, was in his final season in the NFL, and they beat Alex Smith when he was still the quarterback in Kansas City. So it has been a very long time for Denver to get this win. And I think if you ask any Broncos fan, if you don't make the playoffs, if you're okay with the season. I think you're perfectly content with it because you finally got to the boogie, you know, the monkey off your back. You were able to finally beat the Chiefs. But don't look now. The Broncos are starting to play, starting to get on a little bit of a win streak. They go into their bye week at three and five. An interesting game with Buffalo their next time out in Sunday Night Football. They might have a chance to beat the Bills as well because the Bills have not been playing strong as well either these last couple weeks. So we might have to start talking about the Broncos potentially being in the playoff race. If they're able, if they're able to be Buffalo in just two weeks' time. Oh man, this is gonna be really interesting, and it's uh, things are really starting to heat up in Week Eight, aren't they? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm looking forward to this, and uh, let's talk about some more positive news. Um, let's talk about the L.A. Chargers finally, finally, finally getting a win, and and now it's been a long time. I know you're still below 500. I know it was against the Bears, who are playing a Division II quarterback, but a win's a win, right? I don't think there's really much to discuss about this game. Uh, Brandon no. Staley gets to keep his job for another week. Uh, Justin Herbert got to pad, pad his stats a little bit. Uh, and Chicago gets to tank more. So this is really a win for everyone here. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, the Bears, they lose this game. The Panthers just won their first game in, on the season against the Texans this week. So the Bears still have, I think, right now, the second and third pick, third pick. right now. Or maybe the second and a fifth. And listen, pick. listen, listen, listen. Uh, one thing I don't even really want to break down this game because the game was nothing special. No, the game. But it's more of so really Im- implications right here. Uh, Chicago, if Justin Fields does come back in a week or two, like I know they're still committing to the backup right now for uh, for the upcoming week, but they're saying he can become, he can come back soon, and he shows you promise, and you end up with picks maybe three and four, two and four, something like that, because you know Carolina's gonna keep on losing games as well. Do you, if Justin Fields shows you promise, right, and enough promise to commit to that option, do you take a lineman and Marvin Harrison Jr.? That's the question now because they can either go Caleb Williams because you know if the Texans get the number one pick, they're not taking a quarterback. No, they're, they're, they're fully committed to Stroud. Do they Cardinals take Marvin might, Harrison? The, the, this is the weirdest thing about this draft pick for me because you look at some of the teams at the top, I think the Cardinals are fully committed to Kyler still, so I don't think they would go quarterback. The Bears, I, in my opinion, I still think they're committed to Justin Fields. I still I know think they he are hasn't, too. I know he hasn't played as much this season, but I still think they're committed. He I showed think a lot teams, of promise when he's, when he's been teams, on the field. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think he was starting to look good up until that injury against the Vikings. And I, I think that's, that's going to be the decision for Chicago. I think they're going to be the question mark going into this draft of do they trust Justin Fields enough or do they go to a new quarterback? They still have to pick up his fifth-year option as well to make sure if that's the case. So I think that will be the telling detail. If they pick up the fifth-year option, that means they're committed to him. If they don't, then that means they're looking at a new quarterback. But I don't even think – I don't really think they're going to get rid of him. I think realistically it's going to come down to what teams are going to try to move up to try to get a Caleb Williams. There's going to be a bunch of teams that are coming in this NFL draft. The Las Vegas Raiders, we'll talk about in just a second, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be up there. Maybe the Broncos might be up there. The Giants, I think, might be in a conversation. I don't know if you'll – you probably won't agree with me either, but I think New England's going to be in that conversation as well. Green Bay will be in that conversation. There's going to be a bunch of teams that aren't in that top three right now that are potentially going to be looking at a quarterback. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this draft. And before we get into the our trade deadline recap, uh, let's talk about that Lions game. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is finally here. It all it took was a was – a, uh, an injury, an injury to David, David Montgomery. Montgomery. And then, yeah, they finally realized that, hey, he's a first-round back for a reason. It's the highest uh, running back drafted by the Lions since, I believe, Barry Sanders. Uh, Jameer Gibbs has proven time and time again now that he, he should be the number one back in in Detroit. 
And the sadder news coming out in the Las Vegas Va- Las Vegas Raiders is we may have seen Jimmy Garoppolo's final snap being played at least for the time being because they have not committed to benching him in favor of Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, they uh I think for me the biggest news from this game wasn't even the game itself. I think it was the news after this game took place. So obviously Gibbs has a monster game, 152 yards rushing and a touchdown. Um we also saw Amon Ross St. Brown have a nice game, another nice game. Jarek Off was very on and off in this one, but still played pretty well. But the big story, I think, coming out of it was the quarterback play and what happened after this game. The Raiders fired Josh McDaniels and GM Dave Ziegler. They are now both gone from the team. And funny enough for me as a Giants fan, the new head coach of the team for now is Antonio Pierce, the former Giants linebacker. And coincidentally, Johnson, his first game as an NFL head coach will be against the Giants this upcoming Sunday. So that should be a fun storyline going into that one. But as you mentioned, Aiden O'Connell is now the new starting quarterback for this team. The rookie out of Purdue now gets the full reign. That might sense you to think that they're going to try to tank this season and try to get a new starting quarterback in this upcoming NFL draft. But with a new head coach and a new GM, that's now telling you that they – Really did not play, you know, the season has not gone the way they wanted it to. The Jimmy Garoppolo signing obviously has not gone the way they wanted it to go. There's questions about what they do, what they'll do with Devontae Adams going into the offseason. You got to believe he might be traded in the offseason to a new team. And the Raiders are just in another tough, going into another tough off, tough offseason. Considering that this team, remember, not too long ago made the playoffs in 2020 despite all the issues they had off the field in that season. This is now a team that's having even further issues this season just because of stuff going on in the front office. So they're in for a whirlwind of an offseason upcoming. Rich Basakia is right there, and you can write this wrong that like you did a couple of years ago. <sighs> yeah, the, the rate, I, I, I don't want to, you know, it, it's just it's just bad ownership at this rate. I mean, you know, Mark Davis is just, they haven't done anything well. They made some really bad moves these last couple of years, and it's really showing in these last couple of you know years in terms of gameplay for them. So I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. But let's talk about the trade deadline. And there's a couple names here. There's a lot of names, and we don't have time for every single one. But I do want to recap uh, some of the bigger names here. Leonard Williams, former New York Giant, going to Seattle. Montez Sweat going to Chicago. Josh Dobbs to the Vikings. Chase Young to the 49ers. DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones to the Lions, Rasul Douglas to the Bills. Which of these stand out to you the most? I'll, and I'll go, I guess I'll go first because I think the yeah, Chase Young to the 49ers is absolutely wild. Uh, you're going to have Nick Bosa and Chase Young line up on the same line. Good luck to the offensive lines that try to and stop for, them. And only for a third-round pick. Yeah, only for a third-round pick, which is crazy. Uh, Montez Sweat to Chicago did not make much sense to me, but, now re- but then I'm realizing they're building towards something. They're willing to pay him right. and keep him there, so that kind of makes sense. And Giants got a good value deal for Leonard Williams here. I don't know if you want to go into that. So I'll go into that deal in a second. I, the uh, Montez Sweat deal, I understand it only if they sign him back. If they don't sign him back, then that's a terrible trade for the Bears. They have to bring him back on a contract extension. Because you gave us a high second-round pick to do so. Because the Bears are going to be picking high in the second round because of their record this season. So they need to sign Montez Sweat back, or otherwise it's a home run trade for the Commanders. But this Giants trade, I don't mind it in a couple of things. I think it's a, um, it's a, it has uh, you know some goods and some bads to it. Obviously, you're paying Leonard Williams most of this, most of the rest of his contract for the Seattle Seahawks, but. I think you had to do that in order to get the value that they got back from Seattle. You got a second-round pick in this upcoming NFL draft and a fifth-round pick in 2025. So Joe Shane is, you know, he's looking to bolster up this team in terms of draft pick and get rid of some of the salary cap they have. Now, I was expecting them to make more moves. I was expecting them to trade to Dory Jackson as well. Um, that did not happen. There was someone else that they were going to look at the trading. I don't remember who also who it was off the top of my head. But – Leonard Williams was not the only player they were looking to trade this this past trade deadline. And getting the value, I think, was fine. I think it's going to come down to, can the Giants now fix these salary cap issues that they have currently going on going into the next couple of seasons? Obviously, they're still paying Daniel Jones. 
that's only a realistic two-year deal for them. So they can get out of that sooner rather than later. Um, but this pretty much tells you that the Giants have pretty much lost the season. They know that the season's pretty much chalked. You're two and six on the year. You're probably going to be picking in the top five of the NFL draft. That could lead you to getting that new star quarterback that you're looking for. So maybe that's a possibility. And keep in mind, stockpiling on draft picks, that could mean that maybe the Giants are going to try to potentially trade up in the upcoming NFL draft to get a guy like Caleb Williams or Drake May. So I think that's the biggest takeaway for me for this trade because once you stockpile all these picks, that kind of tells me saying, huh, maybe you're trying to do something this upcoming NFL draft to try to get yourself your next franchise quarterback. So I think for the Giants, it's something to look out to. Uh, we talked about the Josh Dobbs trade for the Vikings. He's not starting as of right now, but I think he'll start eventually for this team and a team that potentially still could make the playoffs for the NFC. And other than that, I think the other moves were pretty much moves that helps teams, you know, bolster their playoff hopes. Donovan Peoples-Jones helps the Lions wide receiving core. The Bills needed some secondary help. They got Rasul Douglas. And the Chase Young deal, We you talked about it. I mean... You add a guy like that to your defensive line that already has Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead, that's a formidable front in San Francisco. And that's pretty much trying to tell you, listen, we know the Eagles are 7-1. This move, we think, is going to help us fix the defensive issues we've had the past couple weeks and try to get us back into the top echelon of the NFC. All righty, then. Now I think it's time for week nine of our mushing hour. And as we've always said before, this is where wins become losses, what loss become wins, kind of a play on the witching hour. Shout out to Red Zone. And Scott I'm not going to say, goes. I was going to say Scott Hansen again, but I didn't want to mess up his name. Thank you. Okay, gotcha. now <laughs> let's start with uh, week nine. We have the Titans at the Steelers. Pittsburgh, two and a half point favorites at home. 36 and a half is the over under. Uh, I'm going to go with the under here. And Will Levis had a really good game. It's not going to happen again. The Steelers are a good defense, and I think they're going to struggle to get to 20 points. So if they do win, I think this could be something to like maybe 17-14, something along that those lines. So give me the under this game for Titans at Steelers. Well, we always know how these Thursday night games go. They uh, they can be very hit or miss, I'll say that. Uh, I got very lucky because for the over-under for the Bills-Buccaneers game, I barely hit under because I think the of a uh, – there was a missed field goal. I think the over was four. It was at 42. The over under was 42 and a half. So I caught a break on that one. Uh, this is a tough game for me, honestly, because the Titans have a new quarterback. Will Levis is playing. He played really good in his first start. But like you said, the Steelers have a, have a solid defense. They've been very on and off this year, but still solid nonetheless. Kenny Pickett's injury concern is what gets me in this game because if he's not 100%, can that – Steelers offense do good around him? I don't know because the Titans have a solid, I think still have a solid defense and you're really going to have to rely maybe on Najee Harris and someone to get you the win. I think at the end of the day for me, I'm going to take Tennessee plus two and a half. I don't know if they win the game. Um, Obviously it's going to be tough to cover that because you would have to win. You pretty much have to win the game or lose by a point because I don't see them losing by two. But I could see the Titans just winning this game outright. I think they have a lot of momentum going for them right now. It's tough to beat the Steelers on, on the road as well. But I think you have to go with the hot hand right now and Will Levis. All righty, then. The next game we have is our international game happening in Germany. We have the Dolphins, which are technically the... Uh... The home team? The road team. Over they the are the road team, team for this one. All right. And it's, it's in Germany. It doesn't really matter. They're both yeah. road teams. Dolphins on the road, technically, against the Chiefs at home, technically. Kansas City, two and a half point favorites. 50 and a half is the slated over under. These are two high powered offenses uh, that have something to prove. It's gonna they're gonna be a little bit jet lags. So we might get off to a slow start, but give me the over for this game. Give me over 50 and a half points. See I wanted the over two, but I think the jet lag, I think, like you said, might play a factor. I don't know when they arrive in Germany either. They might have already they are might already be there, keep in mind. So the jet lag maybe won't be a big factor. Maybe it's just the time difference that could play a factor into this game. But 
I think we're going to have our first mush because I also think it's going to be the over as well. The Chiefs just had a really bad offensive game. I, I, I don't see that happening two straight games. And the Dolphins, they just got Jalen Ramsey back for his first game in their uh, matchup against the Patriots. He's not going to play a factor into this game, but I think you'll see two offenses going at it, especially trying to show out in an international game. I say the over hits in this one as well. All righty, Van. The next game we have, we have the Seattle Seahawks on the road going into M&T Bank Stadium to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore at home, five and a half point favorites over under slated at 43 and a half. Give me the Ravens to cover here at five and a half points. I think they win by more than a touchdown. Uh, to me, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC, both defensively and offensively, and they're going to prove that right now by shellacking the Seahawks. Give me Ravens five and a half. This is a tough game, too. Because I, I, I like the I like what the Seahawks have been playing right now, but I think the concern is do the Ra- like do the Ravens do exactly what they did this, to the Detroit Lions uh, a couple weeks ago, and they just blow them out and just you know make a huge statement. I think Seattle, in my opinion, is going to cover. I'm going to take the Seahawks plus five and a half. I think the Ravens win this one on a last second field goal. I think the Seahawks have something to prove right now because they're playing right now to prove that they are the best team in the NFC West. They lead the division, and I think they show out in this game, but I think Baltimore wins at the end of the day in a last-second field goal from Justin Tucker. All righty, Ben. So the next game we have, we have a divisional matchup in the uh, NFC East. We have the Philadelphia Eagles at home, the Dallas Cowboys on the road, Philadelphia at home, minus three-point favorites. 45.5 is the slated over-under. This Cowboys team is overrated. Give me Eagles minus three. That's all I have to say. Oh, I hate picking this game as a Giants fan. I, I don't like either of these teams. I, I could care less for these teams. Uh, I'm going to go with the over in this game. I, I don't, I, I as a fan, I don't want to pick either of them. I, I don't care for them as well. So I'll just see if there's utter chaos and there's a lot of points being scored. So I'll take the over for this one. All right, the next game we have, we have the Buffalo Bills on the road going into Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Bengals at home, minus three-point favorites, slated over under 48.5. I think the Cincinnati Bengals and uh, Joe Burrow have uh, Buffalo's number. Uh, they would have won the game last year. They beat them in the playoffs. They beat them before. Give me Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals minus three because I think they have their number, and I think that's a little bit too low for them. I would have taken right. it at probably five and a half. I'm I'm gonna we're gonna have a second mush. I I like the Bengals too. I think they're playing really good football right now. Buffalo is not really playing that well, and I think going on the road into Cincinnati is that's it's not an easy game as it used to be in the last couple of years. I think the Bengals are hitting their best stride right now, and I think they're still alive for that division race. So I'm gonna also take the Bengals minus three. All right, nice, nice, nice. And the final game we have, we have the Los Angeles Chargers going on the road, going the beautiful uh, north of New Jersey to take on the New York Jets. Jets at home, however, Chargers are minus three point favorites, and forty one and a half is the slated over under. I could easily see this hitting the over because the New York Jets uh, and the Los Angeles Chargers; these are two. Uh, I don't want to say poorly coached team, but. I know the Chargers are poorly coached. It's questionable with the uh, with the Jets, and because the uh, the Chargers are poor, poorly coached, I can imagine them having a lot of penalties that get, lead to the Jets' opportunity to score. So I think they can both easily get over twenty points here. So give me the over. I'm stunned. Do you think the Jets can score because they well did not show that it's gonna be it'll be Giants. easy it'll be easy when um you know you run into the punter when you hit the kicker. I mean, that's, uh, that's you get fair. a face mask. It's going to, it's going to happen at some point. So they're going to get opportunity opportunities to score. I think they can get a touchdown and maybe two or three field goals. I don't think that's unrealistic. Points have been tough to come by for this Jets team in the last couple of weeks. I will say that, but their defense is still a top five defense right now playing wise. And I think that's going to keep them in the scheme, but I still think they burned me before Johnson. I still think the Chargers win this game. I, I'm not. I think they win it. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to take the minus three. I don't like the pick because I have taken them before, and they, you know, they've bitten me and they have, you know, ruined my record. I think they get the win. I, th- I'm at the end of the day. I'm thinking to myself, the Chargers have to prove something on a primetime game. They haven't done that. They obviously beat the Bears, but. 
let's be let's be honest. That was a game in which if they had lost, then that's when you fire Brandon Staley because you're playing you're facing Chicago, who's not playing good football. Um, this is a game in which if they win, that's huge because they would both they would go to four and four in the season, and they're right back into the wild card race. They cannot afford to lose these games right now. I think they have to win this game, in my opinion, because falling to three and five really could uh, you know derail your season. Because remember the week after. They go back home, but they play the Lions. That's not going to be easy because you potentially could fall to three and six if you lose this game and the week after. So I'm going to take the Chargers because I think it's just a must, a, too much of a must win for them. All right, and before we end today's show, I just want to plug that we are going to be at the Central Jersey Card Show in beautiful Edison, New Jersey, at Middlesex County Community College. Again, that's going to happen this Saturday, November fourth. From 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., that is the Central Jersey Card Show. You can view them on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you get your social media. And please come by and say hello. There's going to be over 40 different vendors, 100 different tables. And the address for that is 2600 Woodbridge Avenue, Edison, New Jersey, 08837, right outside the city and right in the middle of New Jersey. So please come say say hi and have a good time this weekend. Yeah, it should be a great show this upcoming weekend on Saturday. Always fun to talk to any people, you know, talk to a lot of people at the show, whether it's regarding cards or just sports in general, a lot of stuff going on in the world of uh, professional sports. You always end up seeing some really cool memorabilia as well, not even just right. the process stuff that you get from the uh, from the manufacturers like Tops or Panini, but you see some really cool personal pieces that people have taken years to complete, whether it's a signed basketball or right. it's a group of home run leaders. You always see some unique stuff, which is great to see. Yeah, so we'll have to see what we see this upcoming Saturday, as well as see what happens this upcoming Sunday in the world of NFL. Will we have some more quarterback changes? Will we have some shakeup in terms of who's good and who's not? The whole season's been utter chaos, so I think that's going to be another interesting week. We go into week number nine. We're getting a little bit closer towards the end of the season as well, as we're already in now the start of November. As of recording, it's November 1st. So we're almost near the end of the regular season in the National Football League. So Halfway there. We're almost there. Halfway there. Um, hate to see it go, but I love to watch them leave, I guess is the, is the good terminology for that. But other than that, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Week number eight in the books. Huge amount of news going into week number nine new coaches new quarterbacks new players going to new teams a lot of stuff's going on in the nfl and now we'll have to see how it all unfolds in week number nine and how they will impact week number nine as well as going in to the later part of this nfl season this has been nicholas bavona joined alongside by andrew johnson with the all gas no break sports show have a great rest of your weekend